three. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words on it. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Because I've never seen that. Fucking thing sucks. There's no words there. Fuck it. There's no, there's no words on it. Live episode 40. It's officially a fucking good episode, although we're off to a rocky fucking start. Sorry for the technical difficulties. If you're with us, we're gonna reward you with it's free, free shit. If you want some free shit, this is how it goes down. Uh, up for grabs this week double lemon pie, six count, uh, right there. Other way, green screen, right there, over my head. Uh, double lemon pie, six count. You're gonna have to email the Email on the bottom of your screen, right there, down there. Free shit email, darkhorsegeneticslive at gmail.com. In the subject line, you're going to write Mr. Lemon Man. Mr. Lemon Man. And I'm going to choose, uh, how about the 30th, the 60th, and the 75th person. Three winners. You'll get the six-pack. Uh, go ahead and write that in the subject line. Mr. Lemon Man. Free shit. So, yeah, welcome, everybody. Dark Horse Live. Tonight, I'm honored to have one of my good friends, uh, somebody who I really respect, and uh, somebody who I've been trying to get on this show to come come down here. I've been begging him, and I finally got him to come down. So without further ado, uh, let's just get right to it. Let's bring on the man, the myth, the legend, like I say, Chuck. All right, everybody, I'm here with the man, uh, the myth, the legend, Mr. Lemon Man, Chuck. We've been trying to get you on here for a long time, dude, so I really appreciate you coming down. Uh, really stoked to have you here, but uh, with that said, um, we always start the same way. Can you tell us about your uh, first cannabis experience? Do you remember the first time you got high? Shit, man. First time I got high, I was probably 11 years old, sitting there in uh, Vegas, sitting in the hood, and uh, everybody said, ah, you want to hit this shit? And I said, man, not really. All of a sudden, I said, you know what? They were happy, laughing. I said, fuck it, let's go. Let's hit this thing. First experience, ended up on the stairs puking. Do you know strain by any means, or just it was just weed? Uh, bammer weed. Bammer. West Coast, we call it bammer weed. <laughs> so it was st- seeds, sticks, stems, 
shit, man. I think I think all the stems and the seeds weighed more than the weed, man. It might even smell like gas a little bit or what? You know? Just not even smelled like anything. Smell like something that I never even knew. Real quick, yeah, I forgot. We we have guests. I how rude of me. Yeah, Chuck, you brought a guest. Would you like to introduce your guest? Yeah, let's introduce Fabio over here. He's the man at the Stadium Inn. Moved right. here in uh, 2009. One of the first good people I met in Denver. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome, right. Fabio. You know, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be in my neighborhood. So, uh, <laughs> Beautiful. So we'll have you. you. Can pick it right up. So you. Uh, that was your first time smoking. What about first time growing? First time growing, probably about uh, 12 years old. Got sick of paying for weed, fifty dollars an eighth. Okay, we're gonna figure this shit out real quick. <laughs> that was fast. Fa fa found a seed in the bag and said, "Fuck it, let's roll." <laughs> Boy, that plant turned out pathetic. My dad looked at me, goes, son, this looks like Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. Had to read a couple more High Times articles. That's how it starts for everybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> not so good, not so good. So, uh, I know, I mean, I'm going to jump way the fuck ahead. Go ahead. But, uh, well, real quick, how old, how old, age roughly, or where were you at in life when you were starting your grow career, your first plant? Uh, I would young? say it was young, but more through family. Uh, thank God I had a good family that were all hippies, and uh, we grew a lot of shit in Vegas, and that was my get down. Um, started off trimming, man, you know? <laughs> totally. Had to figure it out, you know what I mean? That's where almost everybody starts. Right. But, um, so, yeah, what, I, what I'm really interested, because I actually don't know this story, but uh, I know that the legend has it, you were in Amsterdam or lived in Amsterdam or made the, the lemon skunk in Amsterdam, so you're a renowned breeder won many High Times Awards. You've been featured in High Times, and um, I know who the fuck you are. But uh, tell, talk to me about going to Amsterdam as a youth or young and what that was like to, in the creation of this lemon skunk strain and kind of take us through. Or maybe I'm wrong. Did you go to Amsterdam or Europe? So Amsterdam I hit when I was 17. Dropped out of school when I was 16 years old. Ended up in Amsterdam at 17. We were growing in Vegas for a long time, my family, my crew. Lemon skunk originates from uh, Amsterdam, or sorry, excuse me, Vegas. Lemon skunk came from Vegas originally. That okay. was my family strain. Okay. Right? So we, we got down with that. Uh, it was always a big success. A lot of people didn't want to grow it because it stunk so bad in the neighborhood. Do you know the or when you say your family strain, you know the origin a little bit more? Was it just passed to your family? Did they find the seed within it, the seed? Did they find the cut? It was, it was passed to the family through Cali. Through Cali. So old skunk strain, old skunk strain. Um, but it was very unique, different than uh, a lot of things that were on the scene. But back then, we didn't have a lot we had to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we can go back to genetics back then, and just wasn't the way it is now. Every day, somebody's creating a new strain. Yeah. Back then, you only had so much to work with. Hundred uh, percent. More, more things were more stabilized back then. I would say, but i don't know it's uh it's tough it's tough there's a lot of good shit these days too so i don't want to discredit anybody but back then we had some really stable shit you know what i mean yeah. not to get too personal you may you can just tell me to fuck off on this on this if you want but uh, why did you uh leave high school you just said uh, fuck it i'm out of here i'm going to amsterdam well, sounds to me like that was every kid's dream i was reading the high times at that age yeah. being like God, i just want to go to amsterdam and <laughs> smoke know, and grow plants and you did it i did it and uh i said fuck it man i got sick of sitting there dealing with school every day. Went to my guidance counselor's office. She goes, uh, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? I said, well, I'm done with this school shit. I'm done with this. She goes, well, honey, I got one thing to say. I go, what's that? She goes, money doesn't grow on trees. I go, well, you didn't find the right one, obviously. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, 
That's how it started, man. You know, fuck. Um, so you already knew at 17, like, this is what I'm about to go do. Like, get out of my way. And, and never knew which way it was going to go, right? Just figured uh, I love the passion. I love cannabis. I always knew it was a cool thing. I think hitting Amsterdam made me realize that, man, this is accepted, right? You know, we can go to America and drink in bars every day, but we can't smoke a joint. Like, just didn't make sense. Man. Totally. Didn't make sense. So... I think hitting Amsterdam opened my mind up to a uh, open market, open place. Never forget the first time I rolled in a coffee shop, bought a gram of weed. I went, this fucking sucks. I could have stayed back in Florida and got my shit. You know what I mean? Totally. But then you had to find out the right places to go to, just like here in Colorado with dispensaries or any other state or all over the country. What was the go-to shop early on in Amsterdam? Was it a gray area? I'd say gray area was definitely number one. Damn Krieg. Greenhouse, of course, Adrian. Yeah. Uh, fuck, man. There was a, there was a couple other ones, but it still was like finding a needle in a haystack out there to get the good the good, the good stuff, though. Yeah. I think everybody was spoiled and they didn't really realize what they had in certain ways, but then they came there and you had to be a connoisseur back then, right? So I think a lot of people, I guess, got shitty weed. They came to Amsterdam saw some bomb and went, wow, this is better than what we could get back in Oklahoma, per se, or sure. Nebraska. Or, or they were sampling for the seeds they were going to purchase, which it, was a big deal over that, there, too. That was what it was all about in Amsterdam, yeah. the seeds. Yep. So was, did you live there, or were you just an extended extended visa, kind of just hanging out? I don't know how I ended up there, man. I just made it work and floated around, you know what I mean? Totally. You know? gotcha. I don't know. I figured <laughs> something out somehow. When when was the did you release the super or I'm sorry not super but the lemon skunk as a seed form at that point or uh, clone form clone form yeah magically got over there somehow ended up in uh, DNA genetics hands that was the first group that got it gotcha so so they, yeah um, they 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 definitely helped out with a lot of things and kind of took it to a different level um, a lot of controversy involved with a lot of people over there but it is what it is man and we know way <laughs> yeah. egos egos so yeah what, so how long i shouldn't say how long but what were you kind of doing there you just sort of bouncing around having a good time seeing the other side seeing how the other half lives and uh you know putting some pieces together with some of your genetics and strains or i think i showed up on a mission to learn cannabis more and started getting more involved in it and realized that there's a bigger picture to this whole thing, especially with the breeding, the genetics. That was shit I didn't know back then. I was a kid. I just knew good weed. I knew if you sold me a sack, I know what's good and what's bad sure. right away. So I would say that my mission originally started just to go over there and kind of find the best shit out of high times that we all read. And then it kind of just evolved, and then it blew up, and I started learning more. Um, took me a while to get network networked into Amsterdam. That's not a city you just roll up in and you just show up and everybody accepts you. 100%. They want to know where you're from, what what you get down. You know, it's a it's a different story. So, I think for me, it just was being a kid, evolving, not knowing even what way it was going to take me, other than I love good weed. Sure. All my friends back in Florida and Vegas, you're crazy, Chuck. You're crazy. You're going to Amsterdam by yourself to fucking get down with weed? It's fucking illegal, homie. <laughs> Did you have any trouble being 17 years old? I remember, oh, I'm yeah, not going to say got, who, I, I, but they, I remember getting robbed by... Man, they tried to rob me right when I got hookers, off. all kinds oh, of stuff. Everybody right. in Amsterdam will rob your ass. Man, they tried to rob me when I got off the train, man. Fresh <laughs> off the boat. I didn't know where I was going. I'm looking around. I don't know. I see bicycles everywhere. I'm like, 
like, here we go. And uh, they came up and tried to sell me some other shit. And I said, listen, man, I don't fuck with that. And they got really pissed because I said, fuck, I think. I think it was a cultural difference. Sure. So. Right off, right off the I'll bat. I'll leave it at this. Yeah. We had to get down. I did a really good job. <laughs> uh, went to the coffee shop, smoked a joint. And I was like, what the fuck just happened here? Motherfuckers, you know? Motherfuckers. Uh, but yeah, man, we got down. We did our thing and went out that night, walked the streets, had a lot of crews come up to me and they were like, yo, we know your get down. I said, yeah, that's cool, but don't merge in my lane. I'm over here. I'm just trying to smoke some weed. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm always already having a problem right off the train. Did right you consider yourself a cannabis professional at this point? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, you're kind of a, <laughs> you were just a kid not. cutting, cutting your teeth. I was just a kid trying right. to figure it out. Totally. Because at that point I was just into cannabis and I understood like good stuff, but I never understood the breeding involved and all the, you know. Right. The work behind. Yeah. How this really went. I mean, we're talking back then when I hit, you had Shanti Baba, Neville's Hayes, uh, Flying Dutchman, a guy named Eddie. I mean, Paradise Seeds, Sensi Seeds. Like, you had some old school companies that just, uh, I never realized how much work it took to, to make all that, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know? I, I never just, realized how much they shared staff, too. A lot of guys would kind of bounce around uh, between them. You know what I mean? That was a European sort of thing, but yeah. But just like here in Denver too, right? Hundred percent dispensaries. Yeah, how many you want to talk about for different turnover of shops? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, completely. You know, growers that are pissed at each other. Every whatever, man. Yep. The one thing I hate in our industry is the egos. Yeah. Everybody can have good weed and have fun with it. I don't care who anybody is. If you got a good sack and you pull it out, I'm going to be the first one to say that's some bomb, homie. First one for high fives, yeah, right? Yeah. It's something with machismo. I've talked about it briefly a little bit on this show before, but I think it is some machismo associated with cannabis because it's kind of male-dominated, although I think women are the best growers. Me too. It's male-dominated in many aspects, and that just drives with this machismo bullshit that we makes a lot of us breeders spin our wheels rather than get shit done or collaborate when we could probably make super dope shit. Instead, it turns into like... Hey, fuck you. No, fuck you. And, you know, it's and, not good. You're right. You would think everybody'd be on the same uh, level. You would and think. And we could all share some cuts, maybe, whatever. But that's a whole other thing, too, right? You can give somebody a good cut and they can't grow it the right way or they fuck it up. You know what I mean? So, whatever. Yeah. That is what it is. But I'm just saying, in general, one thing I noticed in Holland, I'm jumping around, a lot of genetics rolled through there in the day. And a lot of people got impatient because they couldn't dial them in. I don't care what genetic it is. You've got to learn how to dial that in to the perfect whatever. Sure. Not to say that you can dial it in and still not have problems because your power may go out. Maybe you have a temperature fluctuation. Maybe your grower fucked up and over-nuded it, you know, or whatever. I mean, there's a million, million variables. Right? Million variables, right. So, yeah, consistency is hard in this industry. I think my biggest goal has always been to have the best of the best. I want you to smoke what I would smoke. Sure. Right? And, and, I, and so You've achieved that with Verde, I think, but uh, I, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. But tell me about, the, I guess, the start of your cannabis career then, if you will, because right now you're cutting your teeth in Amsterdam, sort of learning the ropes. Right. Eventually, you make your way back to Denver, Colorado, where you start one of the first shops on Colfax right. and one of the biggest streets in the, you know, in Denver, oh, most famous country. street in the world. I think it is the longest uh, street in the avenue or street in yep. the world. East, well, the longest highway. But uh, yeah, yeah, again, but you've made your way back and you were an early pioneer right alongside me and some other people that I know, but you were an early guy in this. But sort of bridge the gap for me. How do you go from you know, a young kid cutting his teeth in Amsterdam, kind of figuring out how this game works? You're obviously getting respect there. Um, mm -hmm. Did you 
uh, were you awarded any awards at this time? Did you have high time acclaim or sort of how did you? Uh... It all kind of blew up in different ways. I mean, DNA represented Lemon Skunk because they were already on the scene and that's who it went to and uh, it is what it is. First award we won was uh, 2007, the High Life Cup. And uh, High Life Cup was a big expo with like grow equipment. It was one of the, it was probably almost, I don't want to say bigger than High Times because High Times has always had the big name. But High Life Cup was more internationally known to this a lot a, of people. In uh, Europe? This yes. Yeah. Yes, in Europe. What yeah. country? Uh, it was in Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Right. Yeah. So when we won the first award, it was in Utrecht. And, uh, Fuck, man, I didn't even know what the fuck I was doing, man. I just sat back, and I just heard a bunch of Dutch, and I heard Lemon Skunk, and I went, what the fuck's going on? They go, you better get on stage right now. Beautiful. So, it was cool. What was that like, the first time you ever man. hear your name called, or your strain called, and you walk up on stage, can you explain it? Is it emotional? Probably, uh, probably just so cool, man, to the point to where I never would have expected my strain to live up to all the competition that was out there at the time. So... It didn't really soak in until later at the time. It was just like, wow, this is cool. I don't even know what we're doing right now. <laughs> and then people filled me in and go, do you know how big this is right now? Sure. You, you know? But it wasn't me. It was a collaboration with a lot of people, too. Um, I'd like to point out also, it starts from a place that's not money. You know what I mean? Because now in today's you. world, it's like, okay, we're going to start something. That's a good point. And, uh, I like you know, that. And it's like, I need, to, I need to get an investor, so I have to have my hot shit, and I got to do it this way. It's like, no, it all starts from like a love of the plant. And then when you know you have something special all of a sudden, and when you look back and you're like, holy shit, that was the tipping point for me to get what I got. Right. But I didn't do it at that time for that reason. Yeah. And I think those guys are the only, we can count them on one hand because they're still here, as opposed to the other guys who were fishing for some something to be their their number one hit song or what if you will. And it's like, I mean, when it occurred naturally or organically, it was way more beautiful in a sense. And I think, you know, if you go back to that time frame, you weren't like, okay, we're going to do a huge seed drop and make a fucking, you know, million dollars on this. It wasn't, we're going to win the cup and all of a sudden we're rich. It's like, there's nothing along that. It was like, hey, they just said my name. Somebody likes my strain or my family strain. Thank you. I got goosebumps. I got to go up there on that stage and say something? Like, what the fuck? That's the complete opposite feeling that a guy would have who just won a high times cup maybe three weeks ago. Right. He's going, money. Exactly. Let's go up. Let's go up on stage. You know what I mean? Like, do you know how cool that is that you pointed that out? And I appreciate that because well, I never got involved in this for money. It was just about who who's got the best sack. Like I told totally. you, right? And not even the best, but like we could both have the good ones, and we could at least be like, "Wow, that was bomb." You know, even like you in the day with the Bruce Banner. A lot of respect for you. You know, you had lines out the door. I remember coming out here and just people were like. Go to Delta Nine. Yeah, I, I mean, like, yeah. the respect dope. is mutual, like I said. But yeah. now, take me to the opening of Verde, then, because like, so 2007, you started to get a little bit of claim. Why did you decide to come back to Denver of all places? So my dad died in uh, 2008, so I had to go back and deal with that shit. He died of Lou Gehrig's disease. Terrible fucking thing. It is what it is. Here we are. Um, you know, I had to make a transition period. Amsterdam at that time. The Dutch started getting more brutal, raiding the grow rooms, busting everybody. It got a little different than uh, it used to be. Right. So I knew I had to get the fuck out of there personally. Um, but at that same time, I didn't know where I was going to go. So I met up with a homeboy in Humboldt County, and uh, he turned me on to Denver. I went up there to trim some weed, and uh, he goes, man, you got to come to Denver and check this out. I go, all right. 
2008, well, sorry, 2009, probably June. I go, okay, I'll come out to Denver. Never been one time in my life. Never would even imagine I'd be in Denver. And I came out here, coolest place in the world. Everybody was so low key. Everybody was so chill, nicest community. And uh, fuck, man, I just fell in love with it. And I go, it was like a virgin city. I knew the weed scene was going to blow up because that was back when Obama basically said, we're not going to prosecute medical patients or caregivers. The holder, mem holder memo. Thank you. That triggered right? everything. And, and the recession. But yeah, the holder memo Thank and you. the fucking recession, which South Broadway became vacant, and I'm pretty sure East Colfax became vacant. Yeah. Yeah. So all the landlords started looking for tenants yeah. and... At the same time, coincidentally, the medical marijuana program is kicking off. That holder memo comes out from the Obama administration, and everyone's like, fuck, we can sell cannabis without fear of feds. Right. Even so, though we were still scared. Even though we were scared though. shitless. It took, <laughs> it took balls, fucking humongous balls for us can to open up stores. the first people out Yeah, here? open up stores on a, on a major thoroughfare. It'd be like, I sell weed in here with a sign. with a You know, it, right. it was fucking terrifying. My first phone call I got, the guy goes, how much is an ounce? I hung up on him. <laughs> I go, Are you fucking kidding me? I go, you can't just come in the store, man. Come on, man. Totally. Come on, man. I wouldn't even have put my address oh, out there. You know man. what I'm saying? Can that's, you... Can you talk briefly about the start of Verde? Because I know when I started Delta 9, we had to call a thousand stores to get one yes to do a shop. How did you even find a landlord that time? If you called somebody and said, I want to run a weed, weed dispensary? Hang up. Click. Hang like, up. I mean, how, what was your I story? Laugh. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I fucked up for about two weeks. I go, this is getting really old, man. I can't deal with this. <laughs> so then I ended up to go get my medical marijuana card, which I thought was the coolest thing in the world. I went to Canamed, yeah. and they fucking denied me. I'll never forget that. Your first, they, first they, card was denied. First card was denied. Wow. The guy goes, are you a felon? I go, what does that have to do with uh, getting my medical marijuana yeah. card, sir? Oh, you're out. It was like being in the principal's office. I go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. So then I walked out. All the girls at the counter go, how'd it go? I go, went fucking miserable, right? We <laughs> fucked up really good here. Anyhow, she goes, come back on Friday. I go, okay, cool. Come whatever. see Dr. Clemmer. Remember Dr. Clemmer? <laughs> you write it for anybody. So, so anyhow, my second visit back, this gets back on subject. I run into this guy and... Uh, he introduced himself, and I just said, hey, man, I'm trying to open up a dispensary. And he was a real estate guy that already knew the places that the landlords would be cool with us renting out. Uh, right? So you got to, yeah. There so was these all, real estate broker dudes all right. over the place that kind of had pre-lined up spots. And I swear to God, I don't even know how I introduced myself to him, but he just had it, and he had that charisma. And I was like, well, I'm already fucking up for the first two weeks. Might as well see what we can do. Sure. And, uh, yeah, man, he took me around. His name was Gene Cisneros. Never forget. He's a good dude. <laughs> took me to a million places. Most of them are all shitholes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, back then, I was like, I want to open up a cool place that's comfortable. People can come in and uh, enjoy the aviance, even though we couldn't smoke in there like Amsterdam. That was the one thing that sucked here, right? It well, still does. Very early we could. You, you never smoked well, in your store? It was like for like the first year nah. before 2011. Not me. I sure did. Yeah, no, I'm you just had kidding. a better lawyer. I did. You I had a better lawyer. Hundred percent. Right? <laughs> I did. You had a better lawyer than I did. Who told you not to fuck with that shit? Because <laughs> oh, I was sampling out fucking shit out of the dab, uh, dab bars and all kinds of shit. We didn't give a fuck. Yeah. 
There was no rules. All uh, you needed was a fifteen dollar sales tax but, license. There but, was no rules. You're hundred percent right. right. So we, we could smoke. So the funniest part about that story, I'd come back from lunch break, all my employees are smoking the product. They go, You fucking kidding me? We gotta make some money here. Totally. Right? What the fuck are we doing? You know? Totally. Anyway. So when they came in with the law that was no smoking, I kinda got excited. Smoking my shit. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, profits went up. Profits definitely went up. Profits went up. But uh but no, it's funny to say that because we could smoke back then. That's crazy, you know? So anyhow, but jumping back, yes, struggled to open up. Um, finally found the guy. Took me two months to negotiate the deal. Verde was a hair salon before it opened up. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, well, you got to keep the hair girls in here. I go, well, how's that going to work yeah. out? We're trying to open up a dispensary. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. So, there but was back then, tons it, of those where it was like a wellness. There's a coffee shop on the, or not a coffee shop, but like a copy place where you could like copy, scan, print facts, <laughs> and here's a dispensary on the left. Oh, there's a dry cleaning on the door on the left, but right there on the right is the weed shop. It was like nothing was standalone. You know? Now, Birdie had those uh, barber's chairs for a bit. So you kept the hair salon ladies in the shop. I had to. It was part of the lease. (laughs) So then I thought, how the fuck is this going to work out? You know, okay, you can come get a haircut and buy weed at the same time. What the fuck is going on, man? But uh, Delta and I was connected to a tattoo shop. We shared the same front door. So you get your tat, and then you come over and get your herb. Or you need a break from your tat, come get a little herb. You can smoke over here, go back, get your tat done. It was perfect scenario it was married perfect but uh yeah i can remember one time coming to your shop and i had a bunch of sour diesel sure we made it work yeah <laughs> we made it work yeah totally <laughs> man i miss those days so much uh, just because i don't know I, while i'm a grown-ass man now and like i appreciate everything about where i am now i look fondly days. on those days where like we used to walk around with fucking hefty bags full of weed into each other's shops and be like, you want 10 of these? You want five of those? Or like, and it was, it was also very reputation based. Like it was a boys club. It still is in a sense, but it was a boys club where it was like, but it was really connected back then. Even me coming out to Denver, I didn't know one person out here. I had a reputation that kind of blew up a little bit, whatever, but it was hard to get involved in the beginning too with everybody. Cause if you're not where you're from, you just don't know, you know. How was day one of Verde? Were you busy, or did no one have any idea what the fuck you we were? We had the police show up right away. <laughs> you know, police fuck. were the first customers, being like, fuck, "What the fuck, fuck you guys doing?" Here we go. Here we fucking go. <laughs> Thank God it was the bar next door. <laughs> <laughs> I thought just my luck. Here we go. You know. Sure. But, uh, no, it was slow, man. Uh, I didn't really get a home run out of the gate for a long time. You know. Uh, people started to get the reputation, but there were so many places online back then that the community was already plugged into. One of my favorite places besides your place, of course, was Cam. Mm-hmm. Our know, neighbors. Cam, Cam had some bomb-ass weed. Yep. Um, but there wasn't very many reputable places that I would bounce around to and figure out who had the best shit. Stone Mountain up in Longmont, which turned out to be uh, Rare Dank. Rare Dank, you know yep. what I mean? He and, had uh, some fire. He had some fire. There was a shop up by you that was good. It was called CCF. Oh, yeah. They were and right I remember them boys us. got in a little bit of trouble. They were right and then they sold us. it to someone else and yeah. everything changed. I think it's still called CCF, so I'm not dogging you, but it's not the original I, owners. And that was one of the original plugged in stores. I think now it's Green Dragon. It might, okay. It might yeah. be something different now. Yeah, Probably is something different now. But I know because they were one of the first ones they were cool as shit all the neighbors were dope around the hood i mean when i first opened up ccf was already there then it was me you had the clinic that opened up and then the guy uh next door i can't think of his shop but uh he was from georgia man 
crazy Georgia guy. <laughs> Me and him had the same landlord, you know? <laughs> fuck. Crazy. But uh, they didn't know what the fuck they were doing, man. That was the bottom line. A lot of people back then when we started, money, 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 like it still is, but they didn't know what the fuck they were doing. Uh-huh. It was like people, because it was a recession, so it was like people who had a little bit of savings saved up, but everything was falling apart around them, so like, I'm going to try this weed thing, because it's like printing cash, but they had no fucking idea. I had architects coming at me trying to, you know, like, I'll design your building, but can you take 20 pounds? I was like, what the fuck are you in the weed business for? Right. He's like, well, I took a piece of this for payment, and I was just like... So, yeah, it would be a hair salon person or a realist. A lot of real estate people right. tried to get into weed, had right. no, no idea how to do it because they had empty buildings, but they figured all the people that own the commercial industries around Denver, the commercial warehouses and everything else, those guys instantly kind of, rather than lease you the spot, figured, well, fuck, I got it. They passed the laws. I'll grow weed in here. Had no fucking clue how to grow 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 square feet of cannabis, but they were stingy about giving their property up or asked for millions of dollars for an empty building because they knew what your potential was to do with it. Right. But at the same time back then, it was just, but I then, would say expectations didn't meet like the, the real realization of what it really was. And I think that they all thought that uh, they were our business partners. I go, you're my fucking landlord. <laughs> totally. All right? Yep. How much do you want to jack the run up for now? You know <laughs> totally. what I mean? Motherfuckers. Yep. You know? It was terrible. These motherfuckers. So, yeah. Did you end up buying the property, or do you still have to be under that thumb of that landlord bullshit? Nah, still dealing with the landlord stuff. And yeah, uh, I do too. He, it he, fucking he, sucks. He he's he's good, but you know uh, it is what it is, man. They know they uh, got you. The grow, the grow, we ended up getting at um, around 2018. I'd say almost 19. Whenever the deal went through, I got partners involved. Thank God that my partner now sees the vision of Verde. Because I told everybody right away, if it goes the opposite way, I'll take my name off everything. There's no money involved for my reputation. You know what I mean? Totally. I follow you. Um, I think these days we got a lot of commercial shit going on, especially the more it spreads to the United States internationally. Everybody just, they're, they're just more like, what's, what's the ROI? What's yeah. this? What's that? Right? Uh -huh. Okay. Are we actually going to grow this strain out for eight weeks, nine weeks, 11 weeks, 16 weeks? What are we going to do to maximize it? Most of them are eight weeks, cut it down, put it in the trim room, let's go, bam. Totally. You know, so, and I don't hate on that because it is what it is, man. There's a commercial part to everything. It's like commercial it's, ag so, cannabis farming. That's it. It's like, it's you know? not cured, it's gross, it's, it doesn't taste good, but there somehow serves a purpose for people who want eights, or not eights, but ounces for 60 bucks or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? That's and what you, you get, get. you get what you pay for. Yeah, totally. Right? That's what you get. And I'm not mad at that because there's the market for everything. It's like somebody drinking a Bud Light, right? Totally. Maybe they're just comfortable with that. Yeah, or for raised me, on it or everything else, but it's like, I don't know. There's also a step over to the other side sometimes, man. It's like, you don't know what the fuck you're missing. <laughs> first time I smoke good weed, I'll never forget it. Totally. Being in it, Florida. It does. It changes it. your life. The first time you smoke oh real good God. weed, it's I not went, that I, went, I can, I can never go back. That's what I told myself. <laughs> fuck no. That was a bomb. So talk to me a little bit about your initial struggles with the grow. Um, sorry, my phone. Uh, the initial struggles with the grow, and I know you have a large-scale grow now. It's an all-living soil. I don't know if I'm going to any tech I don't want to say, but I know you use a unique bed. You guys grow in beds, and it's a unique way you do it. Um, talk to me a little bit about your – did you bring what you learned from Amsterdam or Holland to the grow? Because, again, your grow has kind of stayed the same forever, just gotten bigger. No, but I think so it's a unique no-till we, setup. We, we, we've bounced around quite, quite a lot. Um, for me personally, I've grown in all kinds of different forms. 
the girl that really made Verde's Living Soil, her name's Cassandra Maffey. Mm -hmm. Cool girl from Humboldt County. Yep. Got a lot of respect for her. I met her when, uh, yeah, we were um, uh, doing uh, some flower associated with, yeah, either, regardless, right. yeah. Cool, cool chick, um, knows her shit. She kind of brought that method over to Verde, right? I guess for me personally, out of all the grows I've had, I've done all kinds of different forms. I was really nervous about her coming in and doing what she did because of bug problems, because of, uh, you know, we reuse our soil. There's just totally. so much shit that could have gone wrong. But she proved it, and I thought that was really cool. And at that point in my career, I was pretty burnt out. I'm not going to lie. So I was happy that she jumped in. I was nervous, but she proved herself. And I got to give credit to her for her, her method of what she brought to Verde, if that makes sense. 100%. Right? Yeah. I also know how hard it is to turn off the controls of the grow or let your hands off the controls of the grow a little bit. I've and been stepping back slowly, slowly over a decade. But I look now, it's like I'm not really that hands-on in my own commercial grow. But uh, I, I used to, like, I did everything. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, I think we all started off that way. I mean, that's like Open and Verde. I ran the politics. I ran the grow. I ran the fucking dispensary. <laughs> After two, three years, I was like, fuck it, bro. I'm burnt the fuck out. Oh, it'll. You know what I mean? It'll. And I think the politics more than anything, because nobody can ever understand how much we went through to get to where we got to. Yep. Right? Every day I wake up so nervous. Fucking, I got an ulcer. I got all kinds of shit because of all the shit that changed every day. Yep. It's like playing baseball and they go, hey, you got to run right this way. Okay, great. Well, next day, guess what? You got to wake up and go, go left. left. Right. What the fuck? Totally. Man? It's moving targets. It's all the rest of oh. it. Nick actually told me something which I keep quoting the next past few weeks, whatever, but he's 100% right about it, which he said, of the OGs that are still around, all of us got real strong legs, and that's because we're real good at jumping through hoops. Right. Well, and in my like, opinion, that's going to make you guys crucial to the rest of the country. As all this, you would think that we would have consultations lined up, but that's not necessarily the way it goes. I feel like it's sort of, I don't know, bigger, bigger firms, bigger money, big ag, um, you know, college university level, like botanist type of stuff is where everything's going. Where I'm not going to say my bro science is trumping their ag science, but at the same time, we may get lost in the wash here a little bit as cannabis moves forward. But being breeders or being specialists, craft cannabis specialists, I think that uh, our brand or both of our brands would probably, you know, as long as we want them to continue to to survive, will survive as long as we keep them as a craft quality product cannabis in the face of, I don't know, it's a microbrew and a Bud Light, or you, you know what I mean? It's a, we're we're microbrews. We've been so, microbrews since 2010. And I think that's what's going to hold up in the cannabis community as it gets bigger because people are going to get more educated, right? That's like back in the day, you know, at Verde, we had a lot of OG cushions, just for instance. A lot of other people weren't growing OGs. Well, why? Because they're not big yielders. They're very finicky. And uh, a lot of people can't dial them in to really get it to where it is. So just using that as an example, mm -hmm. it's like a craft, as you would say, uh, yeah, man, it's hard. It's hard. I think most people, they just want to yield. They just want numbers, and yep. that's the way Wash it goes. Wash well, yield yeah. well, trim they, easy. They, they all, yeah. you know... There's I'll a trade-off for good weed, and uh, Skittles is a, something that we put out all uh, the time. But, yeah. dude, this shit's hard as fuck to grow. Yeah. It's Skittles, Skittles is dope. I'll never forget yeah. being in San Francisco my first time smoking Skittles. 
had a bunch of Mexican vatos. They go, hey, you want to smoke this? I go, what is it? <laughs> hit this blunt. All right, cool, homie. We'll hit this thing. Fuck. I was like, that's just bomb. Yep. We don't make your head blunt. snap. Like, what oh the fuck was that? God. Okay. I was like, this It'll is... get your attention. And that's the shit that I always pay homage to. You totally. know what I mean? That's what we all look for, I think. You know, is the stuff that, like, when you're in the bar... You're at Cervantes, I'm sure you've been many times, and all of a sudden, I guess not pre-corona, but you know, the joint comes down the line, and you're like, you've hit 100 joints that night, all of a sudden this one comes, and you hit it, you're like, what the fuck? And you're like, Who, who's this? Who? Yeah. <laughs> Gotta find out whose this is, track them down, what, hey, what is this? What cut is this? What news do you, do you use? Where do you grow? Yeah. Like, what, was this a seed pack? Like, dude, I need to know. It's like, when I find those, <laughs> I flip the fuck out, you know, and that's, yes. that's who I am. I think I say we are, yeah. No, I love it. But uh, yeah, sorry to catch off a little bit, but continue just to, like, just your story of your, your grows. I see it in your kind of the challenges you've had. You said you kind of turned it over to Cassandra, which has been great. Um, but uh, yeah, what, I guess talk to me a little bit about some of the more challenges you had to go through to get here. Yeah. I know there's a, I went through a fucking million. I know you went through a million. Let's kind of, what's some of the more, you know, detrimental things you had to overcome? I think the first detrimental thing was coming out here. Opening up my own grow, losing it right away. It was zoned in the wrong municipality. Yep. Right? Yep. That was off 38th and Mariposa. I'll never forget it. Dude, we lost one up there. Yeah. Was it Judy Montero illegally rezoned it overnight? Well, it was mixed commercial use. Yep. So when I first got it, I thought they'd be happy I wasn't growing in my basement. So <sighs> I go, fuck it. We're going to set this up right, whatever. Okay. The rules came out after I had signed the lease. Mixed commercial use didn't go. Mm-hmm. Had to be IAIB. Mm-hmm. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Well, here we go. Yep. Wasted up, a bunch of fucking right? money. Wasted a bunch of money. Yep. Had to shut it down. And then right around that time, June, I guess, of 2010, the state came out with their rules. So we had to have the grow and the dispensary connected. Yep. Remember that? Yep. Shotgun marriages. Shotgun marriages, man. Unless you had got, both. Got yeah. involved with that. So I just lost the other grow. Had to get in a shotgun. That's how Dar- uh, Delta 9 fell apart, shotgun marriage, like many, many other places. But yeah, continue. So yeah, big fuck up. Another fuck up. Yeah. But then after that, I ended up joining up with uh, Pink House. And uh, I parked my license over at their place. And we had a really good thing going on for a long time. Um, I never knew that, dude. Pink House is the sh- continues to be the shit, was the shit, but I did not know that they parked a license for you, dude. That's fucking dope. That was dope. That was cool. And uh, it went good for a long time. And uh, like everybody, they had business problems going on, too, and things just went south. So then we kind of separated, not on bad terms, but we just had to figure out our shit. You right. Know? Um, so then I ended up getting with my partners, and uh, that's how we started the new Verde Grow. And they had the grow already. I had the dispensary. We had the licenses, so we made it all happen. Yep. And uh, here we are. Um, the cool thing is my business partner that I'm with right now, he understands the vision of Verde, and that's what made me very smile because I, I couldn't do anything else besides quality. If they would have taken it a different route, went commercial, I would have sold everything and gone and done something right. else. So that was kind of a big step in Verde to get that funding slash a business partner that understands the vision of quality and how to actually do it. And that's kind of when Cassandra came in too and we had everybody involved and uh, 
man, it, it couldn't have gone any better. It I mean, tightened all the screws up, tightened the ship yeah. up real tight and got you guys ready for the rough seas ahead, which were going to be $15 eights and shit all over the fucking town. Or and we never sold one for 15 though. Totally. You yeah, know, we totally. never went that low. There was only a few shops, but yeah, yeah only a few shops that held, held their fuck guns. I had to, I had to. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Like and, not, away this and, shit. Not, and not that I wanted to rape anybody, but it takes money to invest in the nutrients, the grow team, the, the, the curing, the timing, the, you know, we could go on and on. Sure. So I think that was the hardest part to educate people because so many people had other weed that they thought was good, but it was just a price point at that point, mm -hmm. right? Not a quality-driven standard. So we had to educate our market, which we already kind of did, of course, but you still had to because you get a lot of haters. Oh, you guys are going to charge you know, $300 an ounce. Well, fuck yeah, we are because it's the best shit in the world. You know what I mean? You're, like, getting, the, you're getting the good deal. And that's the know? thing is they'll come in kind of miffed being like, across the street, ounces are 60 bucks. How in the flying fuck could you dare charge 300? Oh. And you'd be like, you just don't understand cannabis, my friend. Like, right. you don't really get it, you know? I so buy the $60 ounce. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get what you pay for, right? So it's like, I mean, I, I get it if you're on the price point. Right. I mean, I've been there before. It exists for somebody. Right. But I want the best of the best. That's if it right. comes to beer, I can go buy a 12-pack of Bud Light and be fine. Sure. If it comes to my cannabis, my hash, right. I'll pay the extra money. Let's go. Speaking as, long, of, as long as they ha they come correct. Let's on say, speaking of best of the best, um, let's talk about Dab Logic. Fuck yeah. Um, Fuck yeah. You did something that I want to give you credit for. I don't know if it was you personally, but your team, your crew did something that Still, I don't think anyone's really caught up to you with, but started doing non-solvent carts way before everyone else and uh, figured out a way to get them to have a viscosity in a sense. Then they, I mean, I hated all carts, to be honest. It was all live resin, and I just hated all... They tasted like shit. I was scared of them, all the stuff. But then... Somebody passed, and it was Caesar. Caesar passed me a Dab Logic cart, and I hit it, and I was, it was like, from high time. Caesar, it was another, yeah, yeah it was yeah, another yeah. fucking snap my neck. Like, like, what the fuck was this, dude? This oh, isn't man. a regular cart. He's like, that's rosin, non-solvent. I was like, non-solvent, huh? And like, I don't know how they're doing this. I've been smoking them fucking things every time. Probably shouldn't say this. I travel anywhere in the fucking world. I got a fucking load of them bitches, and I'm. They're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. You guys do the best Dab cart I've ever fucking seen. Can you explain to me how Dab Logic came to be without giving away any super secrets? I don't yeah. even know. I mean, I've talked to the guys that they've done some test washes for us and I've had some meetings with their boys. But uh, um, how did you put this together and got this kick-ass crew, this kick-ass product, and are just slaying the non-solvent hash business right now? So I think uh, <coughs> my buddy, uh, one of my ex-business partners, Rudy, he uh, got Dab Logic involved. I never knew who the guys were in the beginning. I met him one time, very respectful, humble crew. Didn't really know who they were. They proved to uh, what they could do. And uh, the guy's name is Julian. Yeah, really, shout out to Julian. Re really, really, really respectful guy, non-ego, and uh, knows a lot about what he does. There's a lot of shit that he tells me that I don't even understand. Well, he taught me a couple of tricks about yeah. how to tell if I, my strains are going to wash well and whatnot without even having to... Do the whole fucking wash. He's like, oh, here's a little. I was like, are you shitting me? Thank like, you. But no, and Thank that's you. knowledge. A lot of guys will be like, that's my that's my fucking proprietary exclusive uh, R and D tech that I know. You know what I mean? He's just like, nah, bro. I'll tell you how to do that. Save a little money or cut a little corner here. You don't have to do that. I was like, fuck yeah. Thank you, dude. Hundred percent. And he's been super respectful. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing with the solvent list is that 
with all this stuff these days, we're hitting a different data entry point. There's no knowledge that's been done other than past stuff that you're kind of just counting on some guy. Me and JJ from Top Dog Genetics had this conversation the other day. He was the one that enlightened me to this. We, we've all counted on people that are not maybe the smartest as far as doctors, scientists, that, right, back in the day. You're just going off everybody's knowledge on the forums and right. uh, whatever. So I think now we're hitting a point where we can all feel comfortable. Julian from DabLogic has created a lot of data from so many different strains that he's washed and what wash is good for not only quality but yield-wise, you know, mm-hmm taste. I mean, there's so many different factors into what makes it good and what you like. Some people want to just smoke for the taste. Some people want to smoke for the high. Some want the whole combination. Yeah. So I think they've done a really good job at narrowing things in and collecting so much data to where he blows my mind with what he's got for data. I mean, he's got volumes of encyclopedias of shit that they've run and tested and different temperatures and different you know, how quick are we going to dry freeze this? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it goes on and on. I feel like almost all hashtag was an accident up until recently. Right. Where it was like people made a mistake somehow in the process and then learned, oh, wait, a diamond's forming? Oh, wait, there are crystals here? Like, I left that for two weeks in the oven and at room temp, but it had back pressure on it. And I came back after my vacation and there was fucking diamonds and it was all separated. And, oh, this is my new tech. You know what I mean? And they're like... As whereas now you got a guy like Julian who might come in with a whole data set of points and go to a PhD or go to somebody that you know that's like specializes in this field, but also might specialize in I don't know all different sets of kind of data and take it to him, and he can come back and say, well, from what I see, here's here's what you should be going, here's the temp or the duration or whatever you should get to get optimal results, which is in. completely, like as you kind of just said to reiterate your point, is so, so far from the forum. So, so right now, we just landed a big deal with uh, JJ from Top Dog Genetics. Nice. And what are you guys doing? We're going to do pheno hunting. We're going to uh, create some new strains within the company. We've got a bunch of uh, R&D room that we're going to convert into R&D. So... Most people right now, as we know, production, production, production. How many people are really going to take 5,000 square feet and turn it into R&D? And not know what the fuck you're going to get. Yeah, very few. Very few. And Julian from DabLogic, he wants to figure out what washes well with a lot of the hash strains, different things like that. We're also going to pheno hunt for different weed strains, of course, for the flower. But a lot of it's going to be what actually washes well. And this is something he's educated me on because I love hash. I'm a weed guy normally, whatever. I love hash. But the solvent list that they've been creating, unfucking believable Yeah, you totally. Know? But I could throw some other companies out there like 710 Labs, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, Green Dot. I mean, there's a lot of people that are on the same mission. But how much do people want to actually dedicate to R&D and not not that that's their fault or you sure. know what I mean by that yeah. like not putting anybody in the scene but it's just thank God that we have an area that we can actually do some really good R and D and get some real statistics. Sure, and it's what's going to keep you hot and fresh moving forward. That's what most thank people you. don't understand. You, you can't just buy the same clones yourself. from everybody around town right. and be special. Right, you got to find something special, special. You know what I mean? To and, find it. Yeah. One of the best families that did the best job at marketing, in my in my point, is the Cookies family. Mm-hmm. 
They did such a good job at marketing their strains. And they got some fire. They got some fire. I mean, mean? as much as I like, I'll say this much, as much as I like initially didn't really want to like the cookies, what I see, the wrapper and the t-shirts in the mall and all the other bullshit. Right. I would trade places with that motherfucker in a heartbeat because what I wanted to do initially was take a brand and take it state by state and then license it and roll it out. And I was way ahead of the curve when I took it to L.A. and Seattle and everything else. It could still absolutely be done. It could be done with more money behind it and everything else. Right. But this, the approach, the rollout, the steadiness, uh, you know, there is something to be learned from the marketing aspect of what those dudes are doing, 100%. You know? And I, I, you know, I, will, I will give it that credit all day long. It's just like, wow, like, they have them lining up. You know? right. They have them lining up for this stuff. Um, and that is an impressive job. Because it, it's not only here. It's Cali. It's Colorado. It's everywhere. Oklahoma. You got, you got, you got Florida right. jumping on the scene. Yeah, and it, you know? I'll say this much too. If you see their mylar's being ripped off on Alibaba, you know what I mean? On these like Chinese websites that just sell bulk mylar's, and they're literally using. I've seen Jungle Boys. I've seen Cookies. I've seen some of these other guys. It's like their marketing is on point because right. they're now being ripped off and faked. Right. And. Uh, it's, in a weird way, I aspire to be one of the people who was ripped off and faked. You know what oh, I mean? Like, oh, but we've all, we've all gotten ripped off in this. That's say we have been ripped right? off and faked, but it, in a weird way, it's like I'm sure Ivan and Jungle Boys are sitting there just rolling his fucking eyes, being like, I don't want to be fucking ripped off and faked or whatever. But it is the pinnacle of, of success sometimes in, you know, in this industry is when everyone's biting what you're doing. Yeah. Um, well, that's been the beginning of the industry. There's been a lot of thieves and crooks out here. I could air a lot of laundry right now, but I won't. Oh, we'll say uh, that for a different episode. That'll be part two, Royal Rumble. I'll give my address out because if anybody wants to come over, (laughs) no problem. We'll have a a great time. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have a great time with that one. I love this shit. Right following this. Yeah. <laughs> do episode two real quick? No, yeah, that's the uh, thing. Do, over the course of the year of this podcast, yeah, I've had to hold my tongue quite a few times but too. The, but, the, but, like... the, but the best thing is this. I don't get caught up in the egos. I don't give a fuck about anybody. I know what I've gotten down with. I know who I am. I know who I've respected. I know who respects me. Totally. And I don't have to call anybody out. It doesn't but matter. Problem, but the problem is, is that we got a lot of egos in this industry. And it gets old, man. That's why I just sit back. I'm getting older, man. When I was younger, I was a hothead. Totally. No so was I. No I mean, problem. I'm not going to say I'm not anymore, but right. so was I. I was way worse than that. If you think I'm a dick uh, now out there, I used to be way, way worse. worse. Right? You know what I mean? Way more feisty and protective uh, over shit and everything else. But no, like like you, I think we sort of aged through this. Now, we're, now, which is the weirdest thing to fucking say, we're sitting in our rocking chairs looking back at this industry going like, Motherfucker. Damn, dude. Like, I don't know if this is what we envisioned. But uh, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. It's a little bit. Uh, it's I don't know, different. A little I bit mean, nasty. I mean, I mean, to me, the corporate world fucking fucked it over uh, with quality. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. What we started off on is gone different way, but I'll retract and say the quality is going to be the number one driver for everybody these days. Anybody can get caught up in commercial cannabis. That's no big deal. Yeah. That's no big deal. I can grow you the biggest producer. I can grow you the shittiest weed, sell it at whatever, no problem. You want the best weed, you got to pay to play, just like a nice bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. I relate yeah. weed to wine. You can pay $2 or you can pay $1,000. 
Completely. You know? Yeah, completely. So, I don't know, man. It's, the thing uh, about what you said there about the commercial aspect, too, is you can absolutely play that game where I know there's greenhouses the size of Super Walmarts and they turn one over every three months. But those guys aren't making it, man. Right. They're, like, they're not covering their bottom line. Right. And they're, I think no. their plan was to fucking undercut everybody until they own everything, Amazon style. Right. But it, they don't factor on people are still going to come. <laughs> they're not going to give a fuck. There's enough connoisseurs out there in Denver, at least, that are not going to buy that bullshit. And they're going to come to a shop like yours or track down some Dark Horse Flower or wherever it may be and be like, we need to get quality products so these craft brands rise to the cream to the top, you know, easily over this mass-produced stuff where the turnover's high. And then as a seed seller in the state, I go to the same greenhouses two, three times. And I'm like, I was here two years ago. Right. And now it's a new owner, and I'm giving you new metric seeds on a new license. And it's like, okay, right. you started over again. So right. it's kind of, I don't know. I think corporate cannabis or corporate greed or corporate mindset thought they could take over corporate cannabis, yeah. but they kind of failed. And they're, they're getting their butt whipped, and they're sort of learning their lesson. Um, I wouldn't say getting their butt whipped, but they're they're not making the revenues that they thought. Their the stocks ROI, are shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and the, the ROI the is stocks, shit. Yeah, the, the Canadian markets, it's all marketing. There's yeah. so many marketing employees that are bullshit. All that Canadian stock shit's just nonsense because it's literally, they don't even grow plants. Exactly. It's well, like, what the fuck are you guys, you guys trading stocks where there's not even a single cannabis plant in the ground? But and yet, so many yeah. people are pumping money into them. Yeah, left like, and right, buy, sell. Well, there's yeah. a reason for that. But, you know, I've had a long relationship with Mary Jane. And um, plain and simple, you can buy everything. You can buy the big buildings. You can buy the top flights. You can buy the fancy, you know, nutrients that just came out that's curtailed to cannabis. But she knows when you love her, and she shows it. And when you don't, she knows it, and you just can't buy her love. That's the best way I could ever put that. God With that damn, said, make yeah. me I think a cat came in the room. We got a little fucking tear in my eye. All right, that was dope. Uh, with that said, though, I think we reached our hour, dude. I, th I know we could go longer. We probably made this two, three, four hour deal, so I'm probably gonna have to beg you back. But uh, I'm really back. glad that we got you here. And appreciate um, you for having me, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Sorry we Thank didn't get a whole lot of uh, chitter chatter going on. But uh, either I was just. I had to get that history lesson. There's a lot I didn't know about old Chuck. I see him all over the place. We're friends. We've long time. We go way back. But uh, I've never sat down and said, tell me the whole fucking story, dude. I want to hear it. Appreciate so you having me, There bro. was the story. If you guys don't know, check out Verde Natural. It's some of the fires cannabis in this whole state. It has been for over 12 fucking years now. Um, not Nothing's changing. If you like concentrates, check out uh, their concentrate section with their own in-house Dab Logic crew, which does the non-solvent and the solvents. So... Um, just Don't check out it. fucking Verde. Uh, um, anybody you want to shout out or anything you want to say before we get the fuck out of here? Man, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on, homie. And uh, shout out to JJ from Top Dog Genetics because we got some big projects coming. Shout out to you for being who you are and being real in the scene. Yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? Appreciate you guys having me on, homie. Thank right. you. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. That's a wrap. All right. Appreciate it. All right, that's Chuck. Chuck's super chill dude. I'm proud to call him my friend, and uh, I could probably talk to that dude for hours. We probably could have kept going for four more hours. But uh, that was a Dark Horse Live, episode 40. That was an hour. That was a wrap. Uh, thanks for the raid, Ninja, although I don't have much to fucking <laughs> do other than sign this bitch off. But, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody. Peace. Little power gay fish come sit on my shoulder today. Little gay parrot fish, 
sit on my shoulder today and make me a fried shrimpy dish with some soy sauce, baby. As the beat drops, super super fries. Super fried egg roll, triple fried fried rice, triple fried rice, baby. Two for one egg roll, super triple fried rice, triple fried rice, baby. Don't forget the soy sauce. Chan chan chan. There's my gay fish song, dudes. What?